Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Friday, February 12th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. The story of how two brothers gamed the YouTube system 13 years ago and have since used that method to raise nearly $14 million for charity. An interactive site that simulates the audio experience of being at your favorite bar. Coca-Cola is trying out paper bottles. And the guy who built a functioning guitar out of his dead uncle's skeleton. For real. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. At noon Eastern today, an annual event kicked off that over the past 13 years has raised millions of dollars for charities through the sheer enthusiasm of people watching YouTube videos. It's called The Project for Awesome, and full disclosure, I have participated in various ways since the very beginning and know the people who run it, but no one asked me to share this. I just genuinely think that it's cool and that cocky Ride Home listeners will think it's pretty cool too. So, The Project for Awesome was started back in 2007, when YouTube was a very different place. You may remember back then that YouTube's homepage had category tabs you could explore that had the most viewed, most discussed, and top favorite videos of the day. There was no sophisticated algorithm at play, it was just the videos with the most hits, comments, or stars that day. This was back before the like and dislike button, when YouTube had a star rating system. Now, while these categories were sometimes a great way to discover new videos or for creators to get their start, 2007 was, after all, the year that gave us Chocolate Rain, The Mysterious Ticking Noise, Leave Britney Alone, Charlie Bit My Finger, and more. But frequently, these pages would be flooded with bootleg TV clips, low-key porn before it was removed, and lots and lots of cat videos. It was also sometimes gamed for clout by people trying to get their videos to the top. Again, it wasn't a sophisticated system. Even if it was frowned upon, gaming the system was a pretty obvious thing to figure out. Enter John and Hank Green. Now, you may have encountered these brothers before. John Green is the author of, among other best-selling young adult novels, The Fault in Our Stars. And Hank, also a novelist, has recently been going viral on TikTok a lot. They also have a few podcasts on WNYC, own several businesses, and founded and originally hosted the Crash Course and SciShow series on YouTube, which is how most of Gen Z knows them since those videos are literally assigned in classrooms. They are also YouTube creators themselves, having got their start at the beginning of 2007 by making vlogs back and forth to each other as a way to keep in touch. And after Hank wrote a song about Harry Potter in the weeks before the final book was published and it subsequently went viral, the Brothers channel really took off. They suddenly had an extremely passionate community numbering in the tens of thousands, which was a lot back then. At the end of that year, they wanted to give back to the community who had brought them so much joy and burgeoning opportunities, so they decided to game YouTube's system, but for good. So remember what I said about those most viewed and most discussed categories often being filled with not great videos? John and Hank decided, what if, for one day, those categories were completely taken over with videos with a purpose? Videos raising awareness about important social causes and the charities working on those causes. Their plan? 
get all of their followers to make videos about their favorite charity, any charity. Use a special thumbnail so all the videos would look alike, and back then, YouTube just used the exact middle of the video as a thumbnail, so you had to know how to edit the image into the middle frame of the video for it to appear as a thumbnail. And then, everyone who made a video would spend all weekend watching, commenting on, and rating each other's videos so that they would all become the most watched and discussed videos on the site. And the brothers stayed on a live stream for 48 straight hours, highlighting different videos and encouraging everyone to keep watching and commenting. And it worked. Over 400 videos were made, and a majority of them took over the YouTube homepage for that weekend. It worked so well that they kept doing it year after year, incorporating slight tweaks as the platform and landscape changed, getting ever more big-name YouTubers involved, and even YouTube itself in a weird twist of the project's original intent. But always doing that 48-hour straight livestream, and always encouraging anyone who wanted to to make videos about their favorite charity, and then watch each other's videos and encourage each other. The biggest change happened in 2010, when they decided to not just raise awareness about those causes, but actually raise money for them. So now, in addition to just watching and commenting on videos, people are also encouraged to vote for the videos on a separate site and donate to a crowdfunding campaign that acts as a sort of pot that then gets divvied up among the most voted on charities, as well as a few larger charities picked by Hank and John's own nonprofit, The Foundation to Decrease World Suck. For the last several years, they've managed to raise between $1.5 million to $2 million a year, providing incredibly crucial grants to nonprofits large and small doing all manner of work, from providing access to healthcare and education in underserved communities around the world, to supporting mental health initiatives and LGBTQ plus youth. And it's a pretty fun time. There's a lot of inside jokes in a culture that has developed over the 13 years, yes, but the wacky running-on-fumes 48-hour livestream is increasingly populated with a bunch of different big YouTubers who you may recognize and enjoy seeing pop up. Oh, yeah, John and Hank also founded VidCon, the online video conference, so they're pretty well-connected. But hey, if you're looking for a way to give back or get involved with a good cause, the Project for Awesome is a great way to learn about new causes and organizations you might want to support, and not just during Project for Awesome, but going forward. If you are someone lucky enough to have some extra cash right now, you can donate and know that it's going to a nonprofit who really needs it this year. And what's great about the Project for Awesome is that there are so many ways to lend your support even if you can't donate financially. You can vote on videos to help your favorite charity rise to the top and receive a grant. You can share those videos to help raise a charity's profile. You can hype up the people who made the videos, because while some big YouTube creators make videos, the bulk of them are still made by people who don't otherwise have a YouTube presence or are just starting out. Giving them a little comment of encouragement can go a long way. So it's a good cause, a great community, and for all of us interested in the evolution of the internet, I think at least it's a pretty fascinating story. The Project for Awesome livestream goes from today, Friday the 12th at noon Eastern, until Sunday the 14th at noon Eastern, and the fundraiser will run through Tuesday. Links to check it out are in the show notes. It's Friday, and a year ago, you might have been making plans to head to a bar with friends after you wrapped up work for the week. 
But those days have been gone for a while now, and if you're missing them as much as I am, maybe you'll enjoy this site that Jason shared on cocky.org earlier this week. It's called, bluntly, imissmybar.com, and it's an interactive soundboard that simulates the audio experience of hanging out at your local bar. Similar to the commuting and office audio simulators I've shared in the past, this is a pandemic-inspired project that kind of shows just how much we miss things we may have taken for granted. You can mess around with sliders for effects like a bartender working with glasses clinking and liquid being poured, or people talking and the sounds of traffic or weather outside, and, of course, music. The site actually comes with its own bar playlist that's regularly updated via Spotify. Currently, it's just a lot of David Bowie. The Verge points out that one of the highlights of imissmybar.com is that, unlike real bars, you can actually choose how loud it is. And thinking about that now, I do wonder if, like, the sheer volume of bars will be jarring to some of us if and when we ever return to what bar life used to be. I Miss My Bar is a project from the Mexico City-based bar Maverick and was designed by the companies Lagom and Tandem, so as The Verge says, it's less fan project and more ad campaign, kind of. Also, right before I started recording, the site stopped working because it's reached its bandwidth limit, so hopefully it's back up soon and I didn't spend this whole time hyping up something that is now defunct. Though if that is the case, hey, it's just a good excuse for one of you talented developers out there to build your own version. So if you're spending yet another Friday evening at home and missing the days when you'd stop by your favorite bar with a few friends at the end of the week, maybe crack open a drink of your choice, power up this site, and have your own at-home bar experience without the frustrations of shouting strangers, sticky floors, fighting for free seats, and shelling out for an Uber home at the end of the night. Actually, this virtual version is starting to sound pretty good now that I think about it. Coca-Cola, who has been rolling out a line of bottles in the U.S. made from 100% recycled plastic and has also pledged to be a zero-waste company by 2030, has another sustainability iron in the fire. They've just prototyped a paper bottle as an early step towards what they hope might one day be a complete elimination of plastic from their packaging. And it's a good goal for them, considering the charity Break Free from Plastic ranked Coca-Cola as the number one plastic polluter in the world last year. Well, this latest effort, a paper bottle prototype, was created by the Danish firm The Paper Bottle Company, or Paboco. And while paper containers exist for water and other flat drinks, it's apparently a bit more challenging to contain carbonated and maybe fermented drinks in paper due to the pressure under which they have to be bottled. Quoting the BBC, Michael Michelson, the firm's commercial manager, says the bottles are formed out of a single piece of paper fiber-based material to give them strength. That's part of the secret, really, he explained, adding that molding a single object rather than relying on joins ensured the bonds between the fibers stayed robust. With a clever combination of product design and the strong fiber blend, that's what makes it really possible to not break under pressure. End quote. Now, there's also the issue of not having the paper come into contact with the beverage because that could alter the taste or cause fibers to flake off into the drink, leading to health and safety concerns. To solve this for now, Pabaco is experimenting with a plant-based coating on the inside of the bottle. The prototypes also currently still use a plastic top 
So they're not quite at the zero plastic point yet. The tops are something that will still need to be figured out. Now, apart from the technology that still needs to be cracked for carbonated beverages in paper bottles, Finn Slater from the Packaging Europe magazine cautions that it will be tough for paper bottles to break through and become commonly popular due to both public sentiment and, sort of relatedly, cost. Slater sees paper bottles as being a niche product for quite a while. Though, the BBC points out, Tetra Pak successfully got people to switch to paper and plastic milk and juice cartons in the mid-20th century, so this kind of major shift is not without precedent. It won't be easy, but it can be done. For now, Pabuco is running a trial run of 2,000 paper bottles for Coca-Cola via their AIDS fruit drink in Hungary. In addition to the public's impression, a big test will be how the bottles hold up when they're tossed about during the shipping and delivery process. Pabuco is also doing trials with paper bottles for one of Absolute Vodka's carbonated drinks and some paper beer bottles for Carlsberg. Our future may be very soggy, sipping soda with paper straws out of paper bottles. But hey, if it cuts down on plastic waste, I'll put up with it. No one will ever do anything more metal than this. A dude called Prince Midnight has built a guitar out of his uncle's skeleton. That is not some kind of euphemism or exaggeration. He literally took his dead uncle's bones, specifically his ribcage, spine, and pelvis, and fitted them out with a guitar neck, strings, knobs, and more to create a functioning guitar. He calls it the Philip Skelecaster, after his uncle Philip, who first got Midnight into metal. You can see Midnight playing the guitar at the link in the show notes, but a bit more on how this happened, because as morbid as it kinda sounds, it's actually kinda nice. Quoting AV Club, The long path to the Skelecaster began with Midnight's uncle Philip requesting that his skeleton be donated to a school for medical education. His wishes were followed after he died in a car accident 20 years ago, but recently the school no longer had a use for the bones and returned them to Prince Midnight's family. As he's from a Greek Orthodox family that refused to cremate Philip's remains, Midnight was left with a box of bones from Greece that he didn't know what to do with. Rather than store or bury them, which seemed like poor ways to memorialize someone who got me into heavy metal, Prince Midnight decided to turn his uncle into a guitar. Apparently, it was pretty tough to pull off. He learned that no one has ever made a guitar out of a skeleton in his research and started out consulting with two guitar shop guys who backed out after they got cold feet, end quote. But Midnight continued working on the project alone, eventually finishing the guitar that he says plays perfectly. It's all a bit weird and off-putting, yes, but considering the circumstances, it actually seems like a pretty great tribute. And as Midnight said to Metal Sucks, quote, Anyways, now Uncle Philip can shred for eternity. End quote. That is it for this week. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I'm going to go rewrite my will with specific instructions on how to craft my skeleton into something awesome. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend, and I will talk to you again on Monday.